Welcome to the last Lean Agile Strategies and Tactics podcast. Lean Agile Strategies and Tactics for your personal, professional, and corporate growth in today's constantly changing and challenging business environments. The uh, the end of 2022 has been uh, rife with layoffs, uh, whether it's Meta, Microsoft, Amazon, non-tech companies, uh, everyone is, uh, all, all these organizations are laying off people left, right, and center. It's in the news, it's on everyone's minds, and with all the talk of recession coming for 2023, uh, a lot of people are scared about, you know, what this means for them. And especially in the world of like, you know, agile and, and this, this way of process improvement that we, that we approach things with, you know, how is it that we, when we're in our job, how can we make ourselves layoff proof? And I guess maybe on the back end, how can we take those same skills and help use those skills to be able to help us come out the other end successfully? Yeah, great question. And a lot of people are facing that. And and the bottom line is, it's a real fear. I mean, I wish we could say, no, don't worry about it. But it is a real fear. The first thing to say is, you'll get through it. Um, if something does happen, you are laid off. Uh, note that it's happened to all of us. Uh, life goes on. The economy goes in cycles. It will come back. But one of the key ways to not only deal with it if you have been laid off, but you're you're haven't faced that yet. You're still within a company. You're still working for that organization is to just make yourself so valuable to the company that they can't. You're the last one they want to let go. And one of the key ways I found to do that is process improvement, is finding ways to improve the process, lean it out. And we have to be careful here because when we say lean it out, that doesn't mean cutting people. It means improving flow within the system so that we're able to deliver value faster and even more importantly, more accurately. In a slow economy, having the right product is far more important than having a product out there sooner. And so getting some measurements in place to say, you know, I think we're rather slow here. Perhaps it's deploying our products to our customer. Maybe it's in gathering feedback from the customer to make sure it is accurate. But getting metrics in place, and the honest truth is you can measure just about anything. Getting metrics in place to say, okay, this isn't where we'd like to be. Yeah, the numbers are telling us we're not as quick as we should be. We're not as responsive. We're not as accurate as we could be. Putting metrics in place and then coming up with actions to correct that. And, and here's the thing. I tell a lot of people, a lot of my students when I'm training, I will give them that advice and they say, but, but I'm not in the C-suite. doesn't matter. Making those process improvements at whatever context you're at in the environment you're working in, putting those metrics in place and starting to show the improvements, that's key. And one of the most important parts is that you're showcasing these wins, if you will, these discoveries to leadership. Now, on the side, yes, you're saying, look at what I did. But the key thing that you're doing is saying, look what we can do. If we start to measure, if we start to look at the system, if we start to look at for, for process improvements, and we put these metrics in place, and we start to take actions, not every action is going to fix the problem overnight or improve that metric. But you learn what actions do help, do improve, and you apply your metrics to improve that, that action even more or to adjust those, 
then you start to see the system improve. You start to see delivery going faster, more smoothly, whatever it might be. That's the thing that leadership pays attention to because it directly, I mean, right, it directly supports what they're trying to do. I guess it's funny when you describe that, I mean, the the things that come to mind, of course, is first you need some kind of baseline, right? You need some kind of reference point Mm -hmm. to say that I'm making these improvements. But also once you're making improvements, at some point you sort of like, you'll get some early returns, uh, big gains, but then at some point things kind of peter out and you plateau. And whether it's optimizing or however you're sort of polishing that process, at some point you sort of, you reach a point of diminishing returns, I would imagine. So in the context Mm -hmm. of how do you make yourself layoff proof, Sure. You, when you first show up in an organization or you start a new project or you're part of a new initiative, yes, you can make those big gains early. But once you've been in that position for a while, how do you continue, continually show the value, the improvement, the, the, the continuous improvement that you're delivering? And how do you quantify that in a way that's a value to the organization? Yeah, great question. And it's kind of a two-part question. The first part is when you start to see diminishing returns, the metrics are telling you you've done enough there, go on to the next opportunity. And the longer you're at a company, the more you the more skill you have, the more experience under visibility you have into what the next opportunity is. Um, I'm a huge fan in avoiding the vanity metrics. Um, also following the fifth principle of, of lean, the pursuit of perfection. As we pursue and, and improve in this area and the metrics start to come back and say, hey, you've made some progress. And now every action you apply, as you said, it's not having that same significant impact. You're not seeing that curve move as fast as you saw before. It's time to move on. The numbers are clearly telling you it's time to move to the next improvement opportunity. Um, one of the most important concepts about process improvement, and we call it Kaizen from the Japanese term, which which literally means relentless improvement, just continuing to improve, is behind every Kaizen opportunity lies two or three more. And what that means is as you improve this area, it becomes pretty clear when it's time to move on and what you should move on to because the metrics almost shift gears, if you will. You start to see numbers coming up in different areas. For example, let's let's take UX for a specific example. Let's talk about a common problem we have is deployment. Let's go into a software context. Um, I'm perhaps a software engineer, I'm a QA engineer, uh, maybe I'm a product owner, product manager, something in that actual product development space delivering value to the customer. And we're seeing that we're actually pretty good at solving business problems, but it's taking so long to get it out to the customer. Perhaps there's approvals, there's sign-offs, there's all those things. Now we can dive deep into DevOps because that would be a key area to improve that. But you simply say, okay, what's the long pole in the tent? What's the biggest area we're facing right now? Where's the slowest point? And we use a technique called value stream mapping. We simply lay out the steps that you go through from, in this case, we would say from, okay, I've delivered some value, at least I've checked it into a server, but it's not in the customer's hands. What are the steps we're going through? Well, we're doing some testing, we're doing some deploying to a staging and all of these things. Where's the slow point there? 
Where's the major delays? Measure that on average, when we check something into when it's in the customer's hands, what's that cycle time? How long does it take? And then you find that key point that's taking the longest. Perhaps there's a sign-off process or there's, let's take sign-off. That's a really common one. Sign-offs mean someone's not giving the trust that should be there and maybe they have a reason for doing that. So when we see that problem, we go, okay, why is it they want to do the sign-off? Well, because in the past they've been burned because we deployed things that maybe uh, violated some auditory regulatory component, whatever it might be, okay? Why don't we build some test cases in that we run automated? Yes, it takes a little investment. Let's build some simple test cases in that when we show this to the person that does the approval and say, what if we were to run this every single time? Would that ease your concerns on deployment and maybe allow you to just rubber stamp it, if you will? Negotiate with that person, get that thing in place and measure again and say, hey, we're seeing increased deployment. Now what's happened is the bottleneck is no longer there. It shifted downstream or upstream. Mm. And to your point, now you're saying, okay, it's very clear. We have made significant impact here. It's not perfect, but significant impact. It's no longer the long pole in the tent. Let's move to the next bottleneck. It reminds me actually of, um, so for my military days, you know, being on the bridge of a ship, you have the, uh, you always, as a as an officer of the watch, or whenever you were giving any kind of report to the captain, you always wanted to make it so that um, it was really easy for him to say yes. So in the mm. sense that you would make a recommendation or you would report some information, you would make a recommended course of action, and then all he would have to say is, yes, please. And then away we go. Um, yeah. So... Uh, it's sort of a, a similar idea there that you're building that capital or the process by where you can trust the, the, the decision maker can trust the process will provide them the, the right course of action. So all they need to do is yes, please. As opposed to if it's a choke point, by example, that's, you know, they have to review something or they're for whatever reason, administratively, bureaucratically, or whatever the case is that that decision point is getting tied up because they have to review information or whatever that you can just give them that quick or that, that brief, that update that they trust based on process people. Uh, and then the, all they have to do is say, yes, yes, please. Yeah. Great point. And that's one really important thing, especially about process improvement and back to the, you know, being layoff proof topic is how do you, gain trust. You can't ask for trust. Real trust is never asked for. It's earned. And the first step of gaining trust is going to the business leader or the development manager, whoever is doing the sign-off in this case, and asking them, hey, what's happened in the past? You know, what concerns you about this? And truly having that empathetic viewpoint, not like, okay, when are we going to get rid of this? But instead showing genuine concern that you want to help improve the system. Sitting down with them, having that conversation, maybe over Zoom or something as we're remote in a lot of cases, but having that conversation to say, I want to help improve the process here. You're probably not enjoying rubber stamping, doing the phase gate and all of these things, but there's a reason you're doing it. How can we build the system, change that step so that you feel confidence, you gain trust in the process, and you're no longer that bottleneck? 
and you can be freed up to do more important things rather than rubber stamp approvals for for deployments and so forth and we can apply this to just about anything within the process you mentioned you know uh, being on the ship and, and and making sure that the it's easy for the captain to say yes the same thing applies working with our business owners and our leaders and so forth they want to say yes they want to improve when you start to question these things and say i've got some ideas now they start to ask, well, why are you interested in that? You're a software engineer, you're QA. What do you have to do with deployments? Everything. Because I care about this company. I care about where it's going. I care about our customers. And if we can improve this step in the system, even though it's not my wheelhouse, if we can improve it, we're going to be serving our customers better, thereby serving our company and our shareholders and so forth better. So let's give it a try. And that's, that's another point. Go ahead, Tony. Well, I think I was just thinking about people um, and in the context of, you know, like, so up to now, we've been talking about how to make yourself layoff proof. But once mm -hmm. you've been laid off, one of the biggest, I know one of the biggest challenges is this sort of emotional journey that you go on. Yeah. You, you grieve the loss of the job, potentially, especially if you're laid off. Um and you are, it can be challenging to find the motivation, the drive, the tenacity to power through sort of that negative experience and come out on the other side in a positive light. Um, but the tools that we use in, in agile methodologies, whether it's, you know, creating a backlog or using a Kanban board or, you know, measuring things in iterative cycles, there's a lot of tools that we have in our toolbox that can help set us up for success. Mm -hmm. And ironically, you know, this will be a future episode talking about what is business agility, but the idea that we are flexible, agile, and able to adapt to these changing and dynamic circumstances, i.e. changing economy, getting laid off, um, and the, the, the things that we can use, the tools that we can use to be able to set ourselves up for success. So for example, if, um, you know, if, if you're laid off, what are the tools that you're going to use the next day to start setting yourself up? Like what's, if you're going to line out those tools in that toolbox, what are you going to use in the agile tool set to be able to set yourself up for success and to find your next thing? So I love how you phrase that the next day. There needs to be a grieving period, as you mentioned. It's the loss. And unfortunately, this isn't the fast podcast, financial <laughs> agile strategies and techniques. So we really can't help from the financial side. But there's that part of it is that loss of financial. But you're right. There's also that loss of the environment, the context, the routine, all those things. One thing I learned, it came to me several years ago. We talk a lot about how people are afraid of change. We're not afraid of change. We're afraid of the unknown outcomes. And that's the reality. And so what we're looking at when we've been laid off is, wow, what's going to happen in the future? The change has already occurred. The fear is gone. Now the fear is the unknown. And that's where you take it upon yourself, that next day approach, like you said, what am I going to do? And I, I remember back to a, a Michael J. Fox movie. I don't remember the title, but he was an up and coming uh, business student trying to work his way into a company in a down economy. And he managed to finagle his way into the boardroom. And the company was considering 
laying off a number of people, closing factories and all types of things. They said, no, that's the wrong strategy. In a down economy, you need to build. You need to build your footprint, build your reputation so that when the economy comes back, because it cycles, the economy will come back. That's a guarantee. It will come back. When it comes back, you're ready for that and you've already been preparing. Um, to apply that to a career approach, it's the training, it's the mindset, it's the challenging yourself to learn new skills. Perhaps you've been a Java engineer for years and years and all of a sudden everything's going to scripting and, and cloud-based and other technologies that, okay, go learn. Go out and start to study those. Start to build your, your additional tool set, if you will. Get into communities. Talk to other people, maybe still who are employed, but talk to other people that are in that technology, in that space, start to learn. When it comes to lean agile thinking, uh, taking the training, taking the opportunities to learn, to read. Uh, one of my good friends, John Miller, uh, one of the smartest guys I will ever know, and he has a habit of constantly asking people, what are you reading today? And it's not accusatory. It's not uh, in any way I'm better than you. It's simply a, a challenge to you to keep learning every single day. And he's constantly sending me Wall Street Journal articles, uh, things like that. And he'll ask me, what do you think of this? What do you think of that? And we're bouncing ideas off of each other. That itself is preparing for future career growth. When people start to get into communities, start to have those discussions, uh, attend meetups. In your area, I guarantee you, especially with remote, there are meetups you can join uh, on different concepts. Perhaps you were working in an organization that was very, very traditional, and you know the way that's moving forward is lean and agile. Get into some meetups about that. Um, I'm a SAFE program consultant trader, SPCT, and so I teach SAFE, the framework. But the bottom line is the framework is a means to an end. What we're actually teaching is lean, agile thinking. Mm -hmm. Find ways to learn that lean, agile thinking approach. Challenge your mindset every day. That to me is how you really, not so much future proof, but get yourself ready for the future. Well, and dialing in on that, on that line of thinking, you know, you can do yourself a PI plan for the quarter or, you know, for the next three mm -hmm. months. Think about what you want to accomplish in that three months. Create your backlog of what, what's the priority, what's the value, what's the thing that you want to accomplish. Create that tiered or prioritized list of things. And then you can literally hammer out, uh, whether it's a week or two weeks or however you want to break up those iterations. You know, accomplish those things every week or every two weeks. Tick those things off your list. Build that confidence back if you've you know, if you're struggling with that, uh, and, and give yourself that sense of every day that you're winning, every week you've accomplished something. And by the end of your quarter, your PI, your program increment, that you've accomplished something tangible towards your overall goal, whether that's X number of resumes redrafted, sent out, responded to, whatever the case is, networked with X number of people in these kinds of companies or uh, created a new podcast, by example, or whatever the case <laughs> may be. Um, but to be able to give yourself those wins, those early wins, those valuable wins, those most valuable to your customer, which is you in this context, the most valuable things for you early, often, and working towards your strategic goals for the year. Yeah, 
taking those agile tools and be able to apply them not only to yourself, but for yourself um, to set yourself up for success. Yeah, that's a great point. And, and that's where I think in a period of downtime, getting excited about learning. Mm -hmm. and, and that takes so many different aspects. Um, it can be the learning we were talking about with reading, you know, listening to podcasts and things like that. But even as you start the job search, um, you may face rejections. There are other people out there competing for those same positions. What did you learn from that challenge, from that opportunity? So I went after this position. It was in my wheelhouse, but somehow I missed out. What happened? There's going to be a little bit of, oh, what was me? But you have to quickly pull yourself up and say, okay, what did I learn from that? And that's where you get excited about learning. Uh, one of my favorite authors, experts, if you will, Taichi Ono, who was the considered the father of the Toyota production system, the father of modern day lean thinking. He has a number of great quotes. And this one, I'm going to roughly paraphrase it. But he basically said, you need to disrupt your mental models every day. You need to challenge yourself in a way that it shakes up your current thinking. Um, I like to say it as I was having a really good conversation with an SBCT candidate yesterday. And we were talking about the difference of PI planning, preparing for the first event of PI planning, whether how far in advance we should train, say, for teams, which is traditionally taught as close to the PI planning event as possible. And he was talking about, well, I want them time to let it sink in, to discover. And I said, you know what I really want? I want to bring them into a two-day course. I want to get their mental models thrown up in the air. And before it settles down, give them a direction. Give them a place for those ideas, those thoughts to land. And go right into PI planning to let them reinforce that. Do the same thing with your own approach. As you're opening up a new conversation, a new topic, learning something new, set aside your preconceived ideas about that. Yeah, my company did this, and this is how we did it. Therefore, that must be the right way to do it. Absolutely challenge that and say, what if we did it 180 degrees different? What if we took a very different approach? There's no downside. It's a learning opportunity. You're opening yourself up to disrupt that mental model. Only good things happen when we do that. Well, I guess that's the that's the takeaway here is that in order to be successful, to make yourself layoff proof or be successful on the other side of a layoff, you need to disrupt your mental model. You need mm -hmm. to think and challenge new things. Apply those tools and techniques that you have from your agile toolbox and um, and and you know be tenacious, be aggressive, be uh, energetic about moving that that ball forward and and sort of carrying it across the finish line to uh, to accomplish the goals that you set out for yourself and um, and and get the results that you're looking for. All right. Yeah, absolutely.